When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Nickel IDP podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst at PFF. In the middle of June, with nothing much going on in the football world except dudes in shorts making plays that only matter for like a day, um, there's no better time to pro- prognosticate and dive into some of the potential changes to expect for a number of NFL defenses this coming season with plenty of new defensive play callers across the league. I'm very excited to get into this stuff, and I have the perfect guest to help me through it. The one and only Tom Kisslingberry is here, so let's get it. Dude, I always forget just how Larry that uh, music is. Uh, brilliant. Uh, so thanks, John. I appreciate the intro, dude. Great to be on here talking football with you, man. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for the intro. And yeah, we get the video now um, for the YouTube as well. It makes it look even more uh, spiffy, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Like I said at the top, we're here to get kind of real football nerdy about it today, talking about the potential defensive schemes and their changes and how they'll impact our precious idps and and who better obviously to help me sort through it than than you yourself tom um and you obviously put together like an essential piece of idp content uh that looks at a ton of this stuff in your annual defensive handbook um so i appreciate you coming on here and uh, sharing your insights and your knowledge but uh yeah how you have how have you been doing how's your off season been really good thanks i mean just talking about the handbook now um honestly it feels like a lifetime ago so i I basically do that in january and into february and that feels like forever ago and it's like i probably finished it you know four and a half five months ago something like that but you know the feeling when you're doing january stuff when you're knackered from the season and you've got so much stuff right in the front of your head and it's cold and rainy and horrible and everyone's miserable uh, compared to the feeling now where it's stupid hot and everything's boiling and I've got windows open and I'm drinking rich water every two hours to try and keep cool. I just, it's a very different part of your life. Um, so yeah, it's going to be good. I, mainly when you look at football now and you go, I, I can't, I can't face putting a helmet on and running around. That just sounds like the worst nightmare. Right. Obviously yeah. in like Canada, it, it's still minus 40 degrees there. And you're picking out the <laughs> hail and yelling yeah, elk. Yeah. Of course, yeah, we're still sliding around on ice over here, playing hockey in the streets. And uh, no, it's it's actually been yeah, it's been fairly nice weather. Obviously, aside from like the the, the smoke stuff from the the fires uh, over in, in Ottawa, but not Awful. too bad uh, anymore. But uh, yeah, still we got some nice weather that usually lasts for like a couple months. Um, it's not like <laughs> it's definitely ah, not a long summer here. Casual <laughs> racism in football, I, I, right? So I I forgot about this a week ago. I did a. Uh, panel at work on about um uh prejudice in the sports world and you know i'm i'm i was sitting there as the only uh 
middle-aged white guy from the home county so you know the, the person who's experienced the least prejudice in the world and actually i haven't in in the american football world for a long time certainly when i got started people are like what do you know you're a you're a brit and all this stuff and that's gone away and here i am throwing shade at your wonderful uh, nation of canada so i apologize all good i completely understand it's uh it's fun to make fun of canada to be honest so i'm okay oh, you should see my my nephew's hairdos in uh, montreal wow they're oh yeah Really... You can probably see them from where you are. They're pretty. Oh wow! All right, fair enough. <laughs> All right, we should talk about football. <laughs> yeah, no, we, yeah, we could get into it. I mean, um, we got we got a lot of like defensive play caller changes. This happens every year, right, uh, across the league. So, um, we we won't get into like every single one of them today, but we'll we'll cover at least a few of the teams that you know we expect maybe some of the bigger shifts from um in in tendencies at least and and at least the ones that are more interesting uh to us so we'll, we'll talk about all the idps obviously that could be affected by this maybe positively or negatively and then based on that information you guys the listeners can then decide if you'll feel um they'll be worth investing in for the 2023 fantasy season so let's start it off with one potentially the one of the more drastic shifts in in defensive scheme for this this coming season uh, the Minnesota Vikings. So they brought in Brian Flores as their new defensive coordinator. Uh, he served as the defensive assistant and linebackers coach for the Steelers last season. But prior to that, he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins from 2019 to 2021, where we saw a vastly different defense than what the Vikings have been running in previous years. So um, this this one should be interesting. I, I find it really fascinating. Um, what do you think about Brian Flores heading to Minnesota first? Yeah, a torn. Um, obviously, they made a change last year, and and the defense wasn't great. Uh, Flores is a really interesting guy, right? And he's the best place to start when you're talking about scheme change, because this is the most drastic change mm-hmm. in scheme and required personnel in the NFL this year. I would say in quite a, quite a distance. Uh, we can talk about personnel usage and things like that, but just every unit of the team, you look at what the Vikes have been doing, you know, it was only like, two three years ago that, that Zimmerman was there with his old-fashioned yeah a few years out of date defense uh, and really really straight four three defense yeah and now suddenly we're there with Flores who who runs sort of hybrid fronts um doesn't really like using a classic uh middle linebacker you know middle linebackers are basically 260 pound guys who, who rush the a gap um quite into sort of hybrid I, I want to say Sam I mean you know better than me that Sam is not really a position in the NFL anymore, uh, but um, edge. And then he, he goes to this really man-heavy uh, corner scheme, which is pretty opposite of, of the zone as they've been using. And the safety is going to play in a different way. Uh, so uh, we could talk about the interior guys, right? So in my mind, Flores comes from the New England and Alabama school. where They generally play left and right defensive tackles um, when they're in even fronts, obviously. And they're basically ident- identical really big square dudes. Um, so rather than the concept that, that we fans normally have of a three tech and a nose tackle and never the twain shall meet, uh, it, they don't really look like that. So you don't look at them and go, which is the guy that's the pass rusher? You go to them, oh, it's so difficult to predict. So from my mind, that defense looks different at every single level and it's going to be a nightmare to predict. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, no, it is. It, it's definitely one that I think is going to be completely different uh the one thing well not one thing there's a lot of things that stand out you touched on them a little bit here i'll pull it up for the the youtube crowd because it's probably a lot of a fair bit of numbers but one of the main things was yeah just in how he utilized his his linebackers right the the lb2 uh, on when he was with the dolphins was 
far from a, an every down roll, right? You look at some of the usage here, 56% of the snaps on, on a weekly average was the, the LB2 in Miami, which is a big difference from last year in Minnesota, where it was 80.5% of those defensive snaps. Um, so he does tend to lean a little bit more into spreading the uh, usage out across linebackers, a little bit more tendency to use like a third or fourth linebacker on the depth chart in place of the second one. There's not really like a true LB2 or secondary linebacker. He likes to kind of switch it up, right? And then the other thing that stood out, like you said, is that man-heavy defense, right? And we know for IDP purposes, we want more zone coverages, at least for linebacker tackling, because it allows linebackers to yield a better tackle efficiency. That's been mm -hmm. proven. We've we've pulled those numbers every year, and they're consistent. Um, Man-heavy defenses tend to to yield a lower tackle efficiency for linebackers, and actually below average um, for the position. So th that is a bit concerning for for a guy like um, like Brian Osamoa, for example. So uh, not to you know kind of yuck the yum of 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 Brian Osamoa enthusiasts or, or anything like that but um he is somebody that you know I think a lot of people are kind of expecting maybe a breakout season from him going into 2023 but as much as it's a better opportunity than last year as a rookie where he only played like 121 snaps I'd be pretty shocked if he was the primary linebacker ahead of Jordan Hicks um and if he's not then I, I have a hard time imagining him playing anywhere close to a full-time role you add in that man-heavy, blitz-heavy defensive scheme as well. It's just not really the kind of recipe for success that we're looking for in an IDP linebacker. So um, he could definitely outperform expectations on any given week, and people will, you know, yell at me, see. But you know, doing it consistently throughout the year, I I'd kind of be concerned about him finishing within like a top 36 or 40 IDP linebackers, um, maybe even top 50 if we really want to get spicy with it. I'm just not feeling the same kind of love for like a Brian Asamoah this year that it seems, you know, quite a few people are. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've got Asamoah as the clear number two linebacker there and you just show the numbers, which, uh, you know, my logic's based on as well. He's just not going to play that much. So I've got him down playing about 700 snaps, which which used to sound really impressive in the 16 uh, game season. In a 17 game season, it's less and less impressive. So I've got my LB 58 at the moment. Now, the, the standard deviation that is probably 25 spots each way. So, sure. you know, things will happen and, and stuff happens. But I, I was just thinking this when you were talking about him, I, you know, obviously people are going to like him because people love everyone on IDP. Um, Minnesota drafting linebackers, right? Um, here we go. From Anthony Barr back in 2014. Eric Kendrick, brilliant. That works out. And then Edmund Robinson uh, was a seventh rounder, but IDP people liked him. Kentrell Brothers, remember him? Yeah. Um, Lee, Devontae Downs, Cameron Smith, Troy uh, Dye, Brian Cole, Chad Surat, Brian Asamoa. Every year it's like, yeah, we're going to get another day two, early day three. And people are like, ah, he's going to be the guy. And it yeah. just doesn't happen. They just hang around and then the, the pros uh, do that. So, look, he, he is a really good coach. Uh, Flores knows his onions. He, he's been around the NFL. He's a very good defensive coach. Uh, and I think, I'm not sure I can prove this, but I think he's going to favor the vet that gets it done. Uh, and everybody who's not a vet who can really get it done is a long shot. And sure, one of them might pay off, but we're gambling, and I, I don't like gambling. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I mean, I like Jordan Hicks the best of that group. I, I just, I don't love him for IDP overall um, because of the defense. So I, I'm picking him to, you know, kind of win that job and and be the starter there. He's been there. Obviously, the experience is key for for the linebacker position. And I agree with you. I think Flores will depend on that as well. And 
Um, I, I would be surprised if Asamoa outsnaps him. I know, you know, things could happen Os- or Hicks could be released or traded, whatever, get injured. Um, there's a lot of things that can happen, but as it stands right now, I, I have it Hicks and then Asamoa by a pretty big distance, um, as far as rankings go. But, um, the, you know, the other thing that was interesting about Flores's scheme was, and you mentioned this as well, that kind of single high um, defensive system, a lot of, you know, cover one. So it allows that one safety to kind of come down and play a little bit more in the box. We saw that with um, Brandon Jones and made him a, a decent IDP. Uh, absolute banger. Yeah, he was awesome. And so there's potentially a spot for somebody like that on Minnesota. I, I'll be interested to see who you think it is, but I think Harrison Smith kind of makes the most sense um, for me. You know, just being one of the better tacklers um, at the safety position, right? Somebody that you can rely on uh, to support yeah. run defense. So I, I think he could potentially kind of come down at, you know, it's a higher defensive back blitz rate with Flores as well. So um, he could, he's, <laughs> he's, you know, he's had some, he's had some success as a, as a blitzer, not a ton, but um, even as a guy that's getting older, I think he could have some value uh, in IDP this year, more so than he, than he's even had in years past. And, um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they kind of utilize their their DBs and their safeties because we could even potentially see more three safety looks as well, right? As he kind yeah. of leans into more dime personnel, right? I, that's a league trend. So yeah. if you bet every, every, pretty much every coach in the NFL is probably going to have a, a few more snaps with three safeties and one linebacker on the field, you're probably going to be right because you know it's a it's a copycat league. So a couple of things I want to talk about safety. One, we should we should talk about that blitz rate. Um, and you're right, he does blitz his uh, defensive backs. He loves blitzing safety. But so much of that came from that one game against the Ravens, oh, right? Yeah. So you, mem- <laughs> you remember that, uh, when was it? 2021 and, and, uh, in like yeah. week 11? Yeah, yeah, and the Dolphins <laughs> went, ah, Lamar Jackson's tearing up the league. What are we going to do? We're just going to blitz him on the safeties like every single snap. Yeah. And and so many people in in IDP in particular looked at the numbers of, of pressures and sacks that, and went, wow, Javon Holland is a really big blitzing uh, defensive back because that one game where he blitzed yeah. thirty five times from memory or something like that just yeah. piled up so many numbers on a seasonal basis it looked really high. Uh, so that there are still people that think he has two blitzing safeties and they sort of play interchangeably. And you, you're right, you mentioned this before. That's not true. He's a single high guy. Javon Holland played for the vast majority of his career under Flores as a single high guy. That's who he is as a player. Um, but there's a, there's a bit of game planning flexibility there, obviously, if someone comes under Belichick. I, I'm mostly with you. We've talked about Harrison Smith before, right? He's, a, he's had a great, great career. Brilliant player. Flexibility. I, I like nothing more in the NFL than a flexible safety who can play in every phase of the game. But he's not as young as he used to be. And, you know, that hits hard for me because I'm old. Um, You look at Harrison Smith now and go with the difficulties of that defensive scheme and and his age, you probably want to go, look, do something really well instead of try and do everything. It doesn't mean every play. It doesn't mean every game. But I mostly agree with you. If someone's going to be that box specialist, it looks like him. Yeah, it could be. And I mean, th- this is also a team. They spent a first round pick on Lewis Seen last year. Um, yeah. So he got that working out. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately got injured. Um, so I, I think, you know, depending on how Harrison Smith looks, I know there was talks about him potentially leaving the team this year, retiring or whatever. He did resign for a year. Cam Bynum was reliable for them last year. Um, so, 
you know, if, if a Smith does have difficulty holding up in that role, I think, you know, maybe Lewis seen could potentially be a, an option there as well. in those three safety looks, um, it just kind of depends. We'll see how that goes as the season shakes out, but yeah, just to kind of go into the year, if I had to bet on somebody to be the best IDP, um, version for the safe, uh, the Viking safeties, it's Harrison Smith again for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about where you draft him. Uh, if, sure. if he's the. 10th defensive back sitting there uh, are you probably not even thinking about it at that point right i don't or think so i don't think yeah i don't think i i would only because i i know i probably don't need to i i know like That's if fine. he's yeah if he's at the top of my queue i could probably pass on him and grab another position because most people they don't like old guys um <laughs> they just uh, they're they're right that it's they everything yeah, he's gonna sit there kind of new and younger you know exciting safety but um yeah these guys Harrison Smith recently in, in recent years, anyways, has consistently fallen to the later rounds of, of drafts that I've been. So I'm I'm fine with kind of waiting on him. Uh, he could be my second safety um, if I need it, and and I'll probably get him at a decent value. I think I, I've got more than that. I mean, the actual rank he's coming out at the moment is looks a little bit low, so I'm not that happy with it. But I'm, honestly, I think he'll be out, out outside the top forty sitting there, sure. uh, and yeah. that massive massive bank of people. So out of all of those, you want to gamble on someone who could have a full-time box role, right? And it's a gamble. We're not sure about it. We've just said that. But, yeah. you know, those are the sort of picks you want to be making. Are yeah. The first 40 safeties are off the board. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that that he's a, kind of the perfect candidate. Like if you're fading the position, which you really should be doing um, when you're drafting your IDPs, is waiting on the defensive backs. He's kind of the perfect guy that, you know, there, there's a lot of them really. But yeah, he's a great bet to potentially um, surpass his, his IDP uh, price tag at the moment. Yeah. Can we talk about the edges a little bit? Because uh, I, I think that's really interesting on here, just in terms of personnel. So uh, scheme wise, Sort of doesn't matter too much because they're just going to pin their ears back and they're going to be they're pretty rushing the passer anyway. And there's that clear top three guys, right? We've got Hunter, although you know rumors have been swirling around him for a while. Mm. You got Davenport, they brought in as a reclamation project. Remember when the Saints uh, Saints traded two first for him, yeah. two first, yeah. and and then you've got DJ Wanham. I, I saw someone talking about DJ Wanham the other day as a as a breakout. He's so bad, uh, but yeah, he's a decent number three edge rusher in the NFL. But he's he's not very good in IDP. We sort of want top twenty four guys, and he's not that. Um, they're in that order for me, and and the only one I really trust is Hunter. Uh, are you in the same place? Yeah, yeah. Hunter's the Hunter's the clear one for me. Um, I don't mind taking a shot on Davenport just because I think he's another guy that people are just really down on. Um, but I think yeah. the opportunity is going to be there. I think a lot of his, you know, kind of underlying pass rush metrics were pretty strong. Um, not as much last year as they were the year before, um, but still decent for for a number two uh, edge defender on a team where you can get him like pretty easily after the top thirty six. Uh, edge guys are off the board i'd say we might even get him into the top 50 or so um yeah so yeah i'm, I'm fine with kind of taking a shot on hunter as like a late flyer um as as a, a depth piece that could potentially fill in um on bye weeks or things like that but uh, i'm not interested in dj wanham i just think there's more talented players to <laughs> yeah <laughs> to bet on um who yeah Again, if if Hunter doesn't get traded or released, um, the the opportunity for me is just not worth it um, to bet on somebody like that. So, there's more talented players than DJ Warnham that live on my road here. Right. <laughs> Shots fired at DJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One day I'll come around and knock on my door and yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, all right. So that's that's the Vikings. And, and we kind of touched on a little bit, obviously, Flores being in Miami. So I think it's natural we talk about the, the Miami Dolphins here uh, and go into Vic Fangio, um, who is their new defensive coordinator mm. previously with the Denver Broncos. Is that right? Yeah, Denver Broncos and the Bears before that. So um, let's talk about Fangio here in Miami because this – Maybe not as drastic of a shift from you know Minnesota to to my or Minnesota's from Flores switch, but still decently big changes here. What do you think about um, Fangio heading to Miami? I look really interested. Uh, obviously, Fangio is is a big name. He's got a load of love, and he's been quite rightly heralded as one of the fathers of the current uh, sort of defensive system that is is trending across the NFL. So big fan of him. Was he worth paying a record uh, fee for a defense coordinator? I'm not totally sure, uh, but I, I hope to be proven wrong. The interesting thing here is going to be the safeties again, right? So from Fangio, we expect that sort of classic too high left and right safety rather than a strong safety and a, and a free safety. And um, that's not really what he is at all. But we're also looking at it and going, probably expect there to be two full-time linebackers most of the time um it's pretty old school when it comes to linebacker deployment so i I, i'm slightly worried about fangio because he had a really really good defensive career and he could still be that guy but all defensive coaches have a shelf life because the nfl changes so much and the hot young things are normally on the offensive side um we would get loads of little hot shots who come from college to go i'm gonna do all these crazy things in offense to defeat these old dinosaurs you've been running the same defensive scheme for 10 years and don't change as quickly that's sort of the history of the NFL. Uh, and Vic Fangio looks a little bit like it might be sneaking up. Um, that, that sort of too high system has been really popular for three, four, five years. And a lot of it came from him. And he's got a lot of coaches around the NFL. Is he going to come back and be at his best in Miami? I hope so. I'm not sure I'd bet on it. Right. But I, Miami should do well anyway. So, sorry, this is slightly off topic. Uh, Miami had a weird thing last year about um, defensive takeaways, right? They just mm-hmm. had, didn't have any. They played really well. They right. just happened to not take the ball away. And yeah. and that's obviously not the sort of thing that happens two years in a row as well. So there's a decent chance the Dolphins could be the same or not as good a defense, but look much better on paper. Sure. And Fangio will get the credit for that, right? So, <laughs> even though, yeah, there's, there is definitely variance in that. Those, those turnover rates, obviously, um, offense that you play has a lot to do with that but um yeah I, I like what you said there obviously the the too high thing is going to be one of the bigger differences for the defensive backs we saw um obviously going from the the flores scheme which was the more single high um going to fangio which is much more too high uh we're going to see a little bit more uh less of a, or less of a box roll for a safety so where this kind of concerns me is for somebody like a brandon jones right because even you know Assuming he's healthy, he's coming off an injury. I don't know that he's the better fit for this defense. And they they did bring in Deshaun Elliott, um, who's fine. He's right? a great fit in that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I don't love him as a player, but he's a good fit for that system. So here's yeah. the interesting thing, right? You talk about Brandon Jones, and you look at here and we go, we probably expect two mostly full-time linebackers. Jerome Baker hasn't been that guy um, since the very start of his uh, career in the NFL. He's been playing more and more on the edge. And yeah, a lot of people would love David Long fine let, let's say that and and then we're just facing two high safeties which is not javon Holland, it's not brandon jones do do you look at brandon jones and go is he more of what we would call an a linebacker in the nfl but might be a pure box safety and it's sort of the same thing that would be interesting yeah if they if they started to utilize him because i mean they're deep i mean they're linebackers i i think 
Baker and um, yeah, David Long probably have the best shot to start. But it, like you said, if they're not comfortable with Jerome Baker, who hasn't really performed well as like an off-ball linebacker, or at least hasn't shown you know that mm-hmm. shown enough of a sample size that he's a capable starting linebacker in that orthodox kind of role. He's very good at blitzing, um, but kind of inefficient and, and and ineffective as a starting middle linebacker, right? So I, I think David Long could be interesting, and yeah, after that, it's it's kind of open, right? Channing Tindall they drafted in the third round again, another third round pick guy. Yeah, one of those right? guys. Yeah, so it he's he's there, but Brandon Jones, I really like him as a player. I, I do. I have a I have a soft spot for Brandon Jones. I think he's a really good IDP. So um that would be a lot of fun if they started to utilize Brandon Jones in, in a linebacker role. That would be um definitely something to monitor and and yeah, if he's healthy, that that'll be a a big a big IDP cheat code um because he's probably not gonna likely get a positional change before the season either. So um, I, I agree. Well, let's look at the the divisional coaches, right? So let's assume for a second that Fangio is lining out Jerome Baker and David Long at linebacker and Brandon Jones and Javon Holland as as pretty orthodox left and right safeties. Um, If I'm Bill Belichick or Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen, I'm going, brilliant, I'm having that because both of those are opportunities for me to create mismatches on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for sure. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it is, it's big. It's a big difference. And, um, you know, the, the one thing for Fangio, at least in what, what I kind of noticed from the differences between what Miami did last year is it's, it is a lot less base personnel. So it, you know, two linebackers is still better than three, uh, (laughs) I guess where Miami was like 43% of their snaps last year were in base personnel, which is pretty high. Um, for for the NFL at this point, where Fangio, I'll pull I'll pull it back up here on this on the screen, but twenty four nine percent, um, a little bit uh, much more nickel. So again, still two two linebacker looks, but um, like you said too, that that LB two role is a little bit more consistent and solidified as well. So seventy percent of the snaps from what we've seen versus the fifty nine point four in Miami. So um, I do like that for whoever does become the LB2 uh, in Miami, whether it's Baker, Long, Tyndall, Brandon Jones, whoever, right? Um, it's kind yep. of a, at least more some more consistency and uh, reliability from the, from the position than what we've been used to uh, in the past. So that is interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and do a little screen share here. Uh, yeah, go for works. it. Uh, and it's probably not going to work, so bear with me. But <laughs> yeah, so this is from the handbook. Um, Hopefully this is coming up if it's not. Uh, so this is the way I look at this, right? And this is packages. So three, two, 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 two. Is that all the five? Is your basic three, four base, right? So according to my numbers, your numbers might be different. It's obviously interpretive. They ran the most three, four base in the NFL last year, which is really unusual because right. the NFL has been moving away for that number of years. But the interesting thing here, so if we look up here, that one, three, one, three, three, which is a big dime defense, right? So three safeties, three cornerbacks. Uh, only one interior lineman, one linebacker, and three edges, i.e. an edge lining up on the, the inside. It's a real, what we would call a pass-rushing um, unit, but actually it's quite different. Uh, that's That's been becoming more popular, but it's not it's not that similar to a base defense uh, in terms of who's doing what. So the, the difference in how those two things balance are going to be really interesting because we would expect Fangio to, to run more 3-3 three, three, uh, secondaries. I certainly would, but way less of that... Um, uh, three, four base. So how those two things change, I, I'm looking at. 
Right. Yeah, for sure. And and that was another thing with Miami too, is they, yeah, they, they would drop their edges into coverage a little bit more as well. Right. We saw that kind of, um, yeah. with J- Jalen Phillips, who I think he like 99, um, like pass down snaps, he was dropping into coverage. So that's a pretty big chunk of his, his pass rushing time or potential pass rushing time. And for a guy, you know, like Jalen Phillips, who was really good last year, he posted a 90.1 pass rush grade, um, just last season, I think turning those coverage snaps from Phillips into pass rush opportunities, it could, you know, be another like force multiplier for his potential to kind of hit big, um, in the sack department, at least in 2023, he's somebody that I, I have, uh, high expectations for, for this season as well. So, um, that could be, that could really help his case as well. Um, is, is there a, I'm not sure danger is the word, uh, a similarity there between him and someone like Harold Landry. Uh, so we refer to Harold Landry as a, was a pure edge player, right? But he's so right. flexible and he's so athletic. Uh, the Titans have lined him up in, in the slot quite a bit over the years <laughs> and he's played inside linebacker and he's dropped a middle linebacker and he's lined up over the A gap, all those sort of things. It's great for a coach if you can do it, but yeah. it's not great for IDPs. Yeah, it takes it definitely takes away the, the, that big play potential, obviously, right? And then it might help them a little bit for tackles, but it's not enough to to really you know bet on or, or, or actually kind of use as an advantage in any kind of way. So right. you know, hopefully, yeah, hopefully with Fangio coming in, we see kind of less of that from Phillips. Um, you know, he's a very athletic player. He's good um, all around the field. I'm sure they that's what they liked about him to for him to drop into coverage. But I, I don't necessarily kind of love the idea of dropping defensive linemen into coverage. I think it mostly is a recipe for disaster um, <laughs> if the quarterback's able to get the ball out quickly, right? It's used in blitz situations, but uh yeah, yeah. It's, um, well, you've been covering rookies, right? And you know, every year we get a bunch of players come to the NFL, and and we go, "Oh, he's so flexible; he can do all these different things." And you go, "Sure, but that's that's bad for IDP, right? <laughs> it's really bad." You generally want someone who's going to focus on doing the thing that is most efficient for their given position in racking up points. The more they don't do that, and they do a few other things, it's bad. They score less. Stop being excited by it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, look, just look at somebody like Isaiah Simmons last year, right. Who was kind of all over the place. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about him later, but uh, yeah, there, the, he's kind of the prime example when you think about flexible uh, linebackers, for example. Right. Uh, Jerome Baker, we talked about Carl Van Noy. I, I have a question on another edge in Miami for you, Bradley Chubb. Uh, where are you in Bradley Chubb? Because a lot of people still really love him and the Dolphins gave him a lot of money. Yeah. They paid the, paid a lot uh, i would say they paid too much obviously um for for a guy who's probably not top 32 edge in the league but they definitely paid him like he was or paid for him like he was because they gave yep. up a what a first first and, round pick and, yeah so they gave up a first and signed up to that big contract i mean look i i'm all for kind of you know preaching patience for for defensive linemen at, you know year five and six is typically where we'll see them really hit their their prime I just worry that he hasn't shown enough to be that confident about. I think he can be solid um, as an IDP if he's going to get the snaps, if he's going to get, you know, the pass rush opportunity. But yeah, I mean, cost comparison to what Miami gave gave up for him, that that's where I, I can't get, get on board. I, I don't think he's worth that. It's weird, isn't it? So a Dolphin fans are obviously excited. So they've, they've got a big new coach and they're looking at it and go, Phillips, Bradley Chubb, both of these are a high first round pick. We've got Emmanuel Logbo, who's had some good years, blah, blah, blah. And I, 
I'm a little bit skeptical. So we just talked about Chubb. Neither of us think he's brilliant. He's fine. He's a decent pro. Emmanuel Ogba had some really good years, but he's that classic sort of inside-outside player, right? He's really good at playing on the edge and even fronts and playing inside and odd fronts. And he can take on his man and he can win one-on-one. Great. What he could is his peak anyway. He didn't do that last year at all. He's still on the roster because his contract is unmovable because Miami and they hand out terrible contracts all the time. And at best, you're going, he's sort of third-choice edge in a role that's probably not going to suit him very much under Fangio. That's not great. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a bummer for yeah Agba because I think yeah a lot of people were excited about him. He had some productive years, but then really kind of fell off last year. Um, yeah. So yeah, him Chubb, maybe somebody kind of emerges there as a decent DE two. But really, Jalen Phillips is the only one that I actually kind of like from that group. Obviously, Christian Wilkins on the interior is a nice option in DT required leagues. But um, outside of that, don't love the defensive line for Miami. So. We'll see. We'll see if Fangio can kind of make anything of it, but uh, that is to be determined. So let's go to uh, let's talk about the Saints because the Saints are kind of interesting as well. They have Joe Woods as their new defensive coordinator. So Woods was the defensive coordinator for the Browns um, after Steve Wilkes left in 2019. Uh, Woods came in there from 2020 to 2022. Uh, last year so we'll we'll reference maybe his last two seasons in Cleveland at least when I show the chart here for the YouTube crowd Um, but yeah Joe Woods coming into the Saints I I mean the first thing that stands out to me was the Browns linebackers last season were or the last couple seasons really were a complete mess to try to sort out and very scary Um, so I do worry about (laughs) for for New Orleans a little bit Um, how about you what are you what are you thinking about for for Joe Woods uh, in New Orleans here Ah, well, I wasn't thinking about Browns linebackers, and I'm having JOK flashbacks, so yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love this graphic you put together here. This is really good. So let's look at the linebacker numbers. Now, I, for my money, Joe Woods and Browns over the last two, even three or four years, have been one of those teams that have experimented quite a lot in non-full-time linebackers. Uh, the Bengals are up there, the Patriots have been at times, uh, a few other teams, Chiefs at times and not at times. And I think that's quite a big trend in the NFL as well. I think that some of the cutting-edge defensive coaches are going, why do I need it to be 1974 where I just pick a couple of linebackers and they go out every single snap? Why don't I just put on the right guy uh, for the right sort of play? Uh, And the Browns have done that, maybe not brilliantly successfully, and it might not have have lit the NFL on fire. But I I think Joe Woods was definitely looking at that, and and as has been pointed out quite a lot, um, the, the number of linebackers on the field you would expect to drop off a bit, right? So he, yeah. he, he rarely deploys two full-time linebackers. He rarely deploys over the last two years one full-time linebacker. Right. Part of that's injury, part of that's rotation, blah, blah, blah. There are various reasons for it. But you look at uh, the linebackers in New Orleans and go, am I really faithful? Am, am, have I full confidence in him staying on the field? So what's the name? Super old guy. Can't remember. Demario Davis. Mario Davis, obviously. Um, you, you look at him, who's getting on a bit, he's still a good player, still getting paid. Uh, but you look at the coach coming in who's got a known and demonstrable history of putting a third safety on the field and not playing full time linebackers. Um, and you go, is Davis gonna spend a bit more time blitzing, which he's still really, really good at at the right moment, and a bit less time plugging the A gap uh against you know flexible plays where you're not quite sure what's going on. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm really concerned about Demario Davis, and I've kind of been lower on him, anyways, the last couple of years, just because he's been so kind of ineffective as an IDP, at least when he's not 
um, putting up sack numbers is is as a tackle. Totals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His tackles have just been abysmal compared to the, the league average. But thirty four years old, uh, heading into what is like twelfth NFL season. So you look at the the LB one rates and it's under ninety percent for under Woods, right? So I could see them easily kind of taking him off the field a little bit more and and maybe utilizing him in more blitz situations versus as a typical kind of off ball linebacker. And where I start to worry is guys like Pete Werner, um, who, you know, is somebody that I like as, as an IDP, but doesn't necessarily, um, you know, stand out as somebody that you can't take off the field, right? That you cannot afford to, to remove from the play. So we, we saw this with JOK last year, right? He was another 2021 second round pick, just like Pete Werner. JOK was coming off the field pretty regularly. Like you said, these teams deploy more kind of situation specific linebackers right so they're looking at guys super interesting yeah it's it's reactive to the offense right and that's that's kind of what defense is but depending on the offensive personnel and and look that they put out there the defense is going to react by putting out different guys as well right so we're seeing that a little bit more we saw with the Steelers last year yeah we saw with the Patriots as well um, it could be something that yeah we saw with, we did see with the Browns last year but it could be something that New Orleans starts to um, employ as well. So I do worry a little bit about Davis and Pete Werner uh, for this season. I'm, I'm hopeful for Werner to be the better IDP than Demario Davis, but uh, it's just hope at this point. I don't know how much of it will actually translate. But Yeah, look, I'm, I'm with you and I've, I've flashed up this image here just on the uh, linebacker and tackle efficiency. Oh, that's split across two boxes. Sexy. Um, so anyway, the point is, don't worry about it. This pink dot over here on the right-hand side, uh, this is all linebackers last year, snap first and tackle, and that pink box is Demario Davis. So pretty inarguably the least efficient tackler in the NFL amongst linebackers. Now he played over 1100 snaps. So great. It, it sort of, it doesn't matter too much. Uh, right. That's a worry. Now Pete Werner over here is the blue dot uh, and people love Pete Werner. They're like, oh yeah, he's not a full-time player, but they love him so much because he's one of those players that people jumped on in IDP drafts, in rookie dynasty drafts, and they've just stuck with him. And he, yeah, sure. He, he's put up some points at the right time and good luck. I hope he does well, but he, he he's not, He's not some tackling efficiency is not a thing that little players anyway. We know that, but even if it was, he's not one of those guys that has it. So if, if he plays the volume, cool. He absolutely could do. But you're not going to get him a value because so many people think right. Pete Werner is their guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, right? He he is going to get a lot of hype this year. He, he was, he missed some time last year with injury and stuff like that. So we didn't get the kind of true, you know, breakout. But I think there's going to again be that hope that, that he could be the guy this year. Again, you know, he's somebody that I like too. He, he was somebody I had as a breakout candidate last year and somebody that I still like for Dynasty quite a bit. But at, for 2023 under Joe Woods, that that's where I kind of get this concerned a little bit. And, you know, it, we talk about coverages and things like that. The, the good thing about Woods coming in is that he is maybe implementing potentially some more zone coverages, which could help that tackle efficiency a little bit for guys like Werner and Davis. But we do see that, you know, inefficiencies in tackle um tackle rate be a little bit more stable than than kind of the um over efficiency so it is a little bit concerning for sure um so i i just wanted to raise a point uh non-full-time linebackers it, it, that sounds really weird and it sounds quite revolutionary but the nfl has gone through that that process for lots of other positions right it used to be weird that you took your starting running back off for a snap it used to be the same for receivers and it used to be the same yeah. for ends it used to be the same for uh edge rushers until really really recently and all of those positions uh have yeah. gone into more and more of a rotation and we're seeing it all across the field apart from maybe cornerbacks 
and free safety and offensive lineman and quarterback. So it's it's natural and it, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's definitely it's definitely more of a trend, right? And you know, you think about um, you know, especially them going to like a, an eighteen week regular season, right? And and how these guys get injuries. Um, they're banged up throughout the year. It's it's a very physical game. I mean, the NBA is doing load management for their their superstars. You, <laughs> the NFL uh, can easily be doing that just on a per snap basis, right? Um, you know, t- cutting into their guys' workloads to try to keep them healthy uh, is part of it. But just yeah, uh, reacting to offensive situations and having guys for specific situations is um, it makes a lot more sense than trying to just leave the same guys on there and hoping for the best, right? So. Um, yeah. NFL rosters are massive. They're huge. They have a lot of starting players uh, in the lineup every single week. So why not utilize the guys that are best at certain things? So it does. It absolutely makes sense. We should talk about that turnover as well. So we're comparing last year's defenses to this year coming here as well. And it's worth noting that NFL personnel is like 40% uh, turnover on uh, 40 or 50% something like that on rosters. So it's really tempting to go, the Vikings defense and the Vikings defense, but it, it, that's not really what it is. Uh, the, the the movement of players just makes everything way, way less uh, consistent than we think it is. Yeah, no, that's a good call for sure. Um, yeah, there's there's just yeah, so much change every year, but that that's what makes the offseason fun, right? Is we get to kind of uh, right. figure out what how these guys fit, and and you know that's obviously kind of the purpose of this episode, but the purpose of any time we're talking IDP is is all, especially in the offseason, is just trying to figure out what what might be uh this coming season and we'll be right we'll be wrong but the whole thing is to hopefully provide people with the best information and then they can go from there uh, but yeah i agree i i've increasingly come to think that idp is about providing a framework so yeah. you let people make their decisions but the, yep. the real hard work you need to eat. certainly when i started there, there wasn't a list anywhere of who all the starting or uh players were or, or reliable depth chart um, depth chart websites is still absolutely terrible yeah. but it was really hard to find that stuff you sort of had to do it all yourself um and now it's just a massive time saver if the idp industry can do that for people and, and go look there's still going to be 25 percent um uh standard deviation and an error within that uh, and that's optimistic frankly um yeah. then that's way better than it used to be for sure yeah it's providing people you know the the pieces of the puzzle and then they can try to put the the puzzle together themselves everybody can maybe put it together in different kind of ways and we'll see which ones work and which ones don't but (laughs) i don't know if that's the best analogy but it's basically trying to yeah put all of this information together to try to create the best you know whatever rankings or projections whatever you want to do um for the season (laughs) yeah with you right which team we talking about next um, yeah, so we covered Joe Woods, obviously formerly with the Browns. Let's go to the Cleveland Browns now, who also have a new defensive coordinator. Uh, Jim Schwartz is coming in. So he was just the defensive assistant in Tennessee the last couple years. But last time we saw him as the primary defensive play caller was his time as the defensive coordinator for the Eagles uh, from 2016 to 2020. So um, again, for the chart, I'll maybe reference his last two seasons with Philadelphia, just the most recent stuff. But um, what do we like or don't like about Jim Schwartz going to the Cleveland Browns? I mean, I love the hire. I'm really excited by it. So we talked earlier about defensive coordinators having their shelf life, and that's probably fairly live here, but it wasn't long ago that Jim Schwartz was arguably the best defensive coordinator in the league and delivering absolutely ferocious, deep pass rush. Uh, so I, I think it's really exciting. Um, you can see there, look at the LBT rate. That's a real giveaway. That's not massively different. So I don't think we're going to see huge shock in terms of what happens there. 
Um, the man coverage rate is a really interesting one. So definitely Schwartz is is more of a leave a man for man outside, uh, let him rush four, and we rotate that four heavily up front and see if we can beat our man one on one, which which is a bit old fashioned. Uh, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but that's how people used to think five years ago and people are moving away from that sort of coaching. So it doesn't mean he'll be terrible now, uh, but it, it does mean the NFL has changed a little bit from him at his best. However, I'd still think he's, I, I think he's a really good coach in terms of getting the most out of his players mm-hmm. and making them better. And by his players, I specifically mean defensive linemen. Uh, I think we look at the Browns and certainly I, I, for the last few years, have looked at the Browns and gone, yeah, you've got Miles Garrett and he's really, really good. And your second best rusher is should they be in Clowney or someone else or, or no one that really close uh, do you remember uh, um, people mostly don't remember the interior line on the Browns last year was just so bad oh, it was yeah. eye-wateringly bad and there were a couple of recognizable names on there some people thought they were right but it's really really bad and they just let people run all over them couldn't do anything so I look this year and you go sure Miles Garrett is still an absolute stud he, he's amongst the best defensive players in the NFL he's absolutely brilliant but if you've only got one good uh, defensive uh, pass rusher, as opposed to another type of pass rusher, which clearly is a thing, um, it's relatively easy to coach your way around it, right? I mean, not not delete him because nobody can delete Miles Garrett. He'll, he'll beat double teams. Um, but it's much easier than it would be on a different team. So Charles Darius Smith is interesting. He was really good last year. Um, I, I suspect he won't be quite as good, but he's, he's still a really solid player. He, I'd probably rather him than the clowny. Uh Ogbo Okoronkwo is a decent player. Alex Wright might show something. The interior has maybe a bit more optimism around it. But I, I, I look at all those guys and go, mm, not sure. I look at them with Jim Schwartz and go, yeah, I bet you can turn that into something pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the linebackers, right? We talked about that before. JOK is just such a joker. Um, forgive the pun intended. But <laughs> he should be a really good, interesting player. Um I, my opinion of JOK is, is he fits the overhang position more than anything else? Uh, and I think we've talked about this before, but probably not a while. And people say the overhang thing isn't a thing in the NFL. It's only in college. I disagree. I think it is a thing in the NFL. That there's quite a few players who we would maybe call a safety or a linebacker or, or somebody who plays in the slot, but he sort of combines all those roles. It's pretty much the same thing. I think that's his best position, but, it, mm-hmm. but that's not a full-time linebacker. So when we go to talk about flexible players earlier and going, just do the thing, Playing that sort of role in the NFL is really cool. And it's really interesting. It's fun, and coaches love it. But it has a, a lower tackle efficiency than most sure. of the other linebackers. So his his ability to post really high weeks and season is going to be limited. And I'm yeah, I'm not sure I trust any of those linebackers. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I mean, JOK. Yeah, I I see him kind of being that that secondary option uh, in Cleveland, and yeah, maybe he plays more that overhang role, like you said. But again, not a full time role. Maybe more dependent on big plays, um, if anything. But I I do think at least with um, Schwartz coming in versus uh, Joe Woods, that at least maybe brings a little bit more stability or um, uh, what's the word I'm I'm looking for at least you're able to better predict kind of what the linebacker usage will look each like each yeah. week where last year it was very kind of 
unstable. So there's a little bit more stability there, I think. And and Anthony Walker is kind of the guy that I I tend to target if I am targeting anybody from this Cleveland group, because again, not somebody that costs much. Um, he, he was injured last year, so a lot of people forget about him. Um, but he was their LB1 to start the season last year. I think he kind of fits that mold a little bit better than anybody else on the team. So I do kind of like him potentially as an IDP for this season. JOK, I, I'm I'm more optimistic about him than I was at the end of last season, but it's still not enough for me to kind of overpay to to try to acquire him or anything like that. So um, I do think there will be at least, like I said, maybe more uh, stability from from the linebacker uh, consistency uh, from from what to expect each week, basically. Yeah, I. I- I hope you're right. Uh, we should talk about Sione Takitaki as well, who's a sure. really interesting player. So, you know, I, even I went straight to JOK going, oh, he plays in the yeah, slot, yeah. he's that sort of player, blah, blah, blah. Takitaki played in the slot a higher proportion uh, than JOK has. And he has done over his whole NFL uh, career. He looks like that big, wide, what, big-bodied linebacker. So you assume he's a he's an A-gap banger. And he's really not. He's a really flexible player that can line up across there. And, you know, he's not a full-time uh, player. He's He's probably closer to that sort of tight end eraser concept a little bit more. Uh, he's definitely a bit more flexible rather than your, your standard linebacker. But you, you've got him and JOK. And then if you really want to be pretty classy, you look at Anthony Walker, right? Uh, he's still on the uh, roster and you go, he, he's that guy. He's a, he's a much more traditional linebacker. But I, I don't trust him. I, I, I Even with someone like Jim Schwartz, I don't trust them to go, Anthony Walker's our guy. We're going to give him 1,100 snaps. It, it just... It doesn't feel right from an NFL point of view. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And basically, I mean, some of the coaching staff is still there, right, from last year. It hasn't been a complete overhaul. So there will still be, I think, that kind of tendency, those tendencies from Cleveland last year. It won't be a full Schwartz takeover, I guess, right? So um, Stefanski could play a part in that as well. And if he yep. liked that deployment that they had last year, that can still absolutely be um, a concern for IDP players um, this season as well for the linebacker group. But um, yeah. Can I go slightly left field? Sorry, yeah, last time we were pod, uh, people were like, oh yeah, you kept going off on different uh, things and poor John was uh, <laughs> trying to keep up. We're going to do it again. So we briefly talked about this <laughs> earlier when we were messaging each other. I have come around more and more to this idea that offensively minded head coaches have much more input on defense than we think. And the the logic behind that, we'll talk about Kyle Shanahan maybe if we have time for that, is that those guys, those hotshots we talked about who are changing the NFL with offense, are the best position to go, look, as my offensive principles go around the NFL, I know exactly what I hate going up against and what is really hard. Kyle Shanahan's a brilliant example of this. All the defensive coordinators that have worked for Kyle Shanahan over the last few years, two or three have gone on to be head coaches now, um, have all adopted when they got there and when they're very, very similar principles. And I'm pretty sure that's because Carl Shanahan, the greatest offensive mind in the NFL for my money, is going, I hate going up against these uh, concepts and everybody else is nicking my concepts. So can we just do that more to everybody else? Um, yeah. You know, when he first got to the Niners, it, it was a very up and down, high, low safety. And then it, it very quickly morphed to two high safety looks. As that became more popular, and obviously him and Bay are tight and blah, blah, blah. Lots of examples of how that's moved around. But I, I think Stefanski might be another example where he goes, I've, I've got pretty distinctive offensive takes, and I, I need to make sure that we're erasing that for other offenses that are going to play similarly to us. Hmm. I, I Yeah, I love that. I think it makes a lot of sense because 
yeah, the the guys that obviously know what stops their you know high powered offense the most are the ones that have seen it be stopped before. Uh, they know the yeah. kind of defenses that that have given them trouble. So it makes sense that you you know you would see some more input on the defensive side from those offensive guys. And I, I I've always kind of liked the idea of having like maybe like a you know an ex quarterback or somebody like that having. Um, like being a defensive assistant or, or something like that that can give insight into what the quarterback is seeing and why it could cause issues and stuff like that. So I don't know how much teams do that. Um, you know, there may be coaches or something that somebody that listens. Um, <laughs> I don't. I have no idea that that might be able to tell me better. Um, but yeah, I I really like that idea. I think that's a great call. I, yeah, I'm. I think it happens more than we we assume it does uh, because we watch hard knocks uh, and in hard right. knocks they go into their little meeting rooms and there's a defense room and an offensive room, position rooms, yeah. and we sort of don't see that. But but we know the coaches sit around and talk, right? We know they're yeah. having daily meetings. I mean, this is, this is obvious. It's how organizations work, and it, it's not like it's not like the old days where you'd hire a defense or an offensive coach and you just hire a grizzled old veteran on the other side there. So, and we should have talked about in uh miami obviously who, who have a, an ultimate young hotshot offensive uh, right. head coach and have got a grizzled old defensive coordinator but mm-hmm. they, those guys aren't going to go right it, run the defense i'll, I'll see you in uh, february on the cruise ship <laughs> they're going you know how, how are we syncing our concepts what does our yeah. overall football philosophy look like and how does that fit with trends around the nfl yeah yeah very true and yeah like with hard docs, they don't show you a lot of the strategy meetings, right? They show you the you know, the entertaining <laughs> stuff. So, so there it very well could be going on. I, and you're right; it probably is something that's very common uh, across the league and across all leagues. Um, but yeah, just we just don't know how much input that is, basically. So, um, it does make sense that some of these you know smarter minds or newer um, minds to the NFL would would start to implement a little bit more of that stuff. So, I do like that call. Um, I guess, you know, one more thing that kind of stood out as a player of interest for me for Cleveland uh, under Jim Schwartz, if you know, if you're looking for more of those single high coverages that that he's kind of deployed over the past is potentially getting Grant Delpit down towards the the line of scrimmage a little bit more. I think he makes sense in that role. Um, this is a guy who just came off 105 tackle season um, in his first year as a starter. So I think his fantasy stock could potentially either, you know, be uh, be even risen um under uh, Jim Schwartz uh, as uh, as an IDP. So that was the only other thing I think that stood out for me um was the the Browns safeties. Yeah, I'm 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 sort of with you. So if, if we're assuming that Thornhill uh one Thornhill and Grant Delpit are the top two guys, right? Which, which looks to be a safe bet looking at their roster and right. and Thornhill Thornhill can play maybe in too high system, but he, he's not a box safety in any right. way yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> So I, I get your logic of where you got to. Now, I don't think Delpit is a very natural box safety either. I don't think he looks comfortable. I don't think he looks good doing it. But he piled up all those tackles last year. And you can't argue with that. So this might at this point just be prejudice and me being wrong. Sure. I'm very open. <laughs> it's No, you're right. It, you know, it's it's possible that they, they obviously could switch that out too. They could rotate the guys. But yeah, I just looking at the two options, if we're going to see single high looks, I just can't imagine one Thornhill in that role, right? So it's kind of the lesser of two two evils, basically. If you had to choose one, I just think Grant Delpit makes a little bit more sense here than than a one Thornhill. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe they bring somebody else into at some point. But uh, as of now, that that safety group is pretty thin, especially with John Johnson being released too. So yeah, whoever got the responsibility for the free rusher on the offense, if they see Thornhill coming at you, they're probably like, <laughs> no, I, I, I might be a. 
£190 gap back, but even I can block that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll let Naheem Hines pick him up or something. <laughs> yeah, he could. I mean, all, all backs obviously suck at pass blocking. They're absolutely terrible this year. Yeah. I reckon he could do a job against Thornhill. Sure. All right, let's do, uh, let's do, uh, what do we got here? Yeah, the Carolina Panthers. So, um, Ejero Evero uh, is the new de- defensive coordinator. He spent last season as a uh, defensive coordinator for the Broncos. Just one year of defensive play calling under his belt. But Tom, I, I know you're a fan, uh, also a fellow Englishman as well. So you love to see that. Uh, what-, what do you think about uh, Evero taking over in uh, Carolina? Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll claim him as a, sure. as a fellow Englishman, but <laughs> I believe he was born in South End because his uh, parents, or at least one of them was in the military and he happened to be stationed here for a few months. Um, okay. But he was born in South End and not a lot good okay. has ever come from South End. So, okay. you know, that's fine. I, I thought he was a bit unlucky to uh, get moved on last year. I, I thought he did a decent job uh, and that was quite an interesting little defense he installed there. And I, I've pour one out as well for the for the Panthers. I really like what the Panthers tried to do um with their defense under Snow and uh old college guy whose name I can't remember. Now obviously it didn't work out and the whole team fell apart. But I'm I'm not sure it was their fault. They they tried to be quite interesting and distinctive defensively. Um just looks up by the way, I had the Broncos last year as the number eleven ranked defense. So we we've talked about good coaches with big reputations uh, that ran far worse defenses than that last year. Num- yeah. Number 11, your first year as defensive yeah. coordinator, That's good. when clearly the problem was the quarterback and everything on that side, getting sacked, that feels really harsh to me. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm excited. I, I think he, he he could do an interesting job on that Panthers team. Now, he, you look at it and, and there are still massive holes in personnel-wise, uh, so that worries me, particularly on the defensive line. So Derek Brown actually had a really good season last year, but he, he he's still not really a money-making interior alignment. And I really, really worry about the edge position. I have done for about three years now. Brian Burns is a really fine speed edge rush. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he does his job and he does one thing and he does it really, really well. And after that, I, I look at that list of edge players and I go, Yetu Gross Matos is, is oh. probably still second on the depth chart. And he's just, A, he's not very good. Yeah. B, he's another one of those inside-outside linemen like Emmanuel Rogbo he talks about. Um, mm-hmm. He... He's, he hasn't really got a full-time position and he's got one of the weirdest stances in the NFL. Uh, so everybody at home, when you're watching him, he, he gets so low and his legs are lined up about five feet away from each other. So he looks like someone that's trying to cling onto the floor in a hurricane and not get blown away. Um, so yeah, good luck. It's really interesting for him. It's not working. for how very good at football. And then after him, you've got Marquis Haynes, right? He's a, he's a journeyman. You've got DJ Johnson and Mare Barno, who are both day two draft picks. And sure, you might Barno's get later, there. yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe it was fourth or fifth round. Or who knows later than that. Henry Anderson is the roster. It, it, it looks like a big weakness at the moment. Um, so I, I like Evero, and I wish him all the best. I, I think he might do a decent coaching job, and I think the personnel might let him down. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I I think Carolina's probably going to have a, a bit of a tough time this year, both, you know, kind of offense and, and defense as they um, started a new regime, basically a new look offense there under uh, C, uh, Bryce Young. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, Evero, I mean, I think, you know, as far as what the defense might look like differently, um, the the one thing that kind of stood out to me, yes, Carolina last Strong year. Strong yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they ran no dime, right? Um, Carolina last year, but now they've brought in Von Bell, 
as as an option. And Jeremy Chin's still there. Xavier Woods is still there. Um, so I think with Evero's tendency in Denver last year, it was a, about league average as far as dime personnel goes, um, a little bit below. But we could potentially see a little bit more of that under Evero, which would potentially hurt maybe the, the LB2 on the team, whoever that ends up being, whether it's Shaq Thompson or Frankie Louvu. Um, but I think there's there's could be a tendency to get all three safeties on the fields this season uh, more so than what they did last season. So we could get uh, a little bit more Von Bell or Jeremy Chin, depending on what they they view their roles. Chin, I know, played a lot in the slot last season. Um, we'll see if they can't plan to utilize him in the same way or if they want to use him more in the box uh, as that second linebacker and use Von Bell in the slot. Um, but I think Xavier Woods makes a makes sense as the guy that would play the majority of his snaps deep. Um, but yeah, I'll be curious what you think about um, the Carolina safety group. Yeah, I'm, that's fascinating data. So I'm, I'm going to flash up something really similar. We can compare and contrast because uh, <laughs> this is what football nerds do. So might not show up that well. Let's see if we can zoom in a little bit. Um, so this is the way I, I count it. Uh, front linebackers and secondary you can see here. So the key bits here is look at number of linebackers, right? So yeah, that's right in the middle. So here you can go. Uh, last year, the Broncos ran 30% of uh, defensive snaps with one, only one orthodox linebacker on the field. That doesn't mean the safety is not playing in the box. One orthodox linebacker, uh, which is double uh, what the uh, NFL average was. So same as your numbers uh, show there, we are going to see way more single linebacker snaps. That's that's almost inarguable. And then you look over here and you sort of look at what that looks like in secondary. And actually, higher higher than average base there. So 30% in base secondary uh, with two corners and two safeties. That's fairly unusual to see uh, this year. But then look over here and look at the fronts, right? So this is classic, classic hybrid front. We've got about half the time spent in the four-man front, which is way, way lower uh, than league average, and about 40% in the four-man front. And you know 10% doing other things so it, it's a very flexible defense um there's there's a lot of things that are going to change uh I think they're they're a bad example when you look at a defense like this and, and people in in July will go well here's the 11 starters in in, in, in one particular formation and that's absolutely not what it's going to look right. like at all this is a very role uh based uh defense and everyone's going to have a very clear thing that they do and I'll be asked to do things at different times. So really interesting from a coaching point of view. It's really fun going, what do they do with Von Bell, Jeremy Chin, and Xavier Woods? I love that trio of safety. They're, they're all really flexible. So Jeremy Chin has got this reputation of being a box banger, right? But I'm I'm not sure that's what he is. I, I think he's fairly close to being an overhang guy as well. He's a safety that occasionally lines up deep, but mostly is either in the box or in the slot, uh, depending on what sort of offense and, and personnel they're up uh, against. But that's not all he can do. Uh, Von Bell is mostly a box player. But that's not all he can do. Xavier Woods has played in a bunch of different roles. Um, so you look down the list, right? And you go, Derek Brown is what he is. He, he's a primarily run-stuffing uh, interior player. Couldn't have a Christian Wilkins uh, season? Well, probably not, because nobody does that. Because amazing right. But you, you could have a... Depending on your scoring system, you could have a really good year if you if you have tackle-heavy interior linemen. I like him, but I don't really trust anybody else in that unit at all. We like Brian Burns a lot. He's going to pile up sacks and he's, he's going to be good. I would probably argue he's not going to rack up many tackles, but, you know, depending on the score resistance, that's great. So you've got one there. A linebacker, I, I'm expecting only one full-time linebacker. And I know Frankie Louvu won your league and blah, 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 when you picked him up uh, for free. Great. But it's Shaq Thompson. Uh, give me Shaq Thompson over Frankie Louvu as that one modern interior linebacker. Sure. 
every day of the week and three times on Sundays. Um, and then you've got those three safeties. And I'm, I'm not sure I look at those three safeties and go, any of those is a full-time player. Probably work out. But I, if I'm the defensive coordinator and I'm looking, up, uh, looking at who I'm playing that given uh, week, and I may well fancy Bell and Chin or Chin and Woods or Woods and Bell in any given week, or probably in most weeks, quite a bit of all three of them. Um, depending who plays it in the slot, right? The other thing about whether we three, whether we see three safeties or not is who their top slot defender is. Because increasingly we're seeing teams go, well, a, a safety is my best uh, slot defender. So we might end up with a load of stuff where we've got two cornerbacks on, on the field, JC Horn, Dante Jackson, hmm. those, maybe CJ Henderson uh, sort of recovers and brings his career back. Um, but it feels more likely that in nickel uh, secondary, which you're going to see most of the time, mm-hmm. you're probably going to have Bell, Chin and Woods on that field. And then a decent chunk of uh, of what I would call a 33, a uh, big dime secondary, where you've got those three cornerbacks and those three safeties and only Shaq Thompson on that. So really, that was a long-winded way of saying, Derek Brown, Brian Burns and Shaq Thompson, I really trust. And everyone else is sort of up in the air a little bit. Good NFL defense. I'm excited to watch it uh, play out. I don't think it's going to be great IDP hunting ground apart from those guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think, you know, with Chin last year, he played better, or at least he was a better IDP when they used him in the slot. And to your point, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. You we're seeing more teams kind of utilize the safety in, in the nickel position as well, right? We saw with the 49ers putting Jimmy Ward there, um, the Bucks put Antoine Winfield in that role last season. Um, Jeremy Chin, obviously in Carolina. So it, it's definitely, there's, there's other examples as well, but it's something we're seeing a little bit more. So there's a potential for, um, maybe a full-time role for, for all three guys are close to it, a full-time role. Um, but how much of it do you trust is actually going to come through? We don't know until we start to actually see it on the field. So, um, it's more of like a buyer beware type thing. You know, if expectations are too high for any of these guys, I'd probably kind of reset those and, and maybe push them down boards a little bit, but, um, yeah, a very good call. I, I do like that a lot. We will see that in preseason as well. So w- whether yeah. your your top uh, nickel guy is a safety or a corner is generally something that teams sure. show us in limited preseason uh, and probably camp as well. So we should talk about why that happens as well, because it's really easy for us to go, oh, yeah, this is a big trend and this is what teams do. We should talk yeah. about the reason behind it. So the way I understand it, uh, you're closer to it than me. Your, your company uh, does this uh, for a living is increasingly offenses of per big slots and well what we laughably call tight ends who are now just big wide receivers <laughs> yeah. uh out there in the slot so traditionally that wasn't the case right the, the slot the slot receiver was a little speedy uh guy who could go go both ways so your defender was a little speedy guy who could go both ways and that's just not the case because right. uh they get bodied um yeah. by by those big dudes who are fast and have got two feet on them so increasingly nfl teams are going well Rather than me roll out that big safety who can sort of do it every so often, let's just put time and investment and resources into having one of those guys that can handle it most of the time. And then it's unusual if I need a little tiny uh, speedy guy who can go both ways. Right. Yeah, that that's that's kind of the main thing, right? It's it's absolutely the, the way more teams are utilizing those tight ends in the slot. The guys, you know, obviously, the Travis Kelsey, uh, Mark Andrews. Um, even Dawson Knox last year was, was another one that that got more usage in the slot. But guys like that, Evan Ingram, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, there, there's there's a ton of examples on on almost every team, right? So it makes sense that you'd want a bigger uh, defender who can move, be mobile, uh, cover um, to cover these kind of bigger receivers in the slot. So um, yeah, very good, very good call. I love it when people talk about offensive play. Sorry, no, no, go ahead. I, 
when people talk about offensive, uh, offensive players and go, oh, he's a mismatch. Uh, right. Like defensive coaches don't see this and don't understand. I mean, <laughs> you, do you think they're stupid? <laughs> yeah. yeah d- no defender can stay with them. Yes, they can. That's that, that's called a safety these days. It used to be uh, linebackers are too, too slow and uh, safeties and cornerbacks are, are not big enough. And it's just safety. <laughs> Safeties are really big, strong, fast yeah. guys that line up all over the field. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's using Nathan Jerry as a slot linebacker anymore. So it's <laughs> sorry, Nathan Jerry. Um, <laughs> all right. Let, let's, let's look at uh, kind of one more team here. Um, maybe more if we, if, if we want, but um, let's go to the Arizona Cardinals because uh, Jonathan oh. Gannon. Yeah. Is, is coming over as, as the new head coach from the Eagles. Uh, and Nick Rallis is is coming with him as the new defensive coordinator. So both guys coming from the Eagles, uh, uh, where Gannon was the defensive coordinator and Rallis was the linebackers coach, if I'm not mistaken. So this is interesting because Arizona last year, their defense was a bit of a mess. Uh, I think it could very well be a bit of a mess uh, this year just to sort out. Um, but it at, at the very least should look a little bit different at maybe potentially in the linebacker usage. But what about, what do you think? I'll let you talk about, uh, talk about Arizona here uh, to start I, off. They're obviously going to be really bad, right? <laughs> so um, we should, we should point out this point. We want the best for all NFL teams. Certainly we, we cheer hard for NFL teams who traditionally have not been winning teams and being yeah. really successful. So I'd love the cards to be good, but it, it seems as as obvious it is for any NFL team. They've sort of gutted the roster, and they're they're trying to build it back up again. Right. Um, I mean, by the way, I worked very closely with a lady called Carly Murray. Um, so when it's football season and people are talking about Kyla Murray, right. brain is blown, man. Um, yeah. So you look at this. Uh, uh, there's not a lot of talent on this, right? So Buddha Baker, he, he's he's been good at times. He, he's not the player people think he is because of the tackles and IDP. And after him, you go. There's, there's not that much. So cornerback is a is a massive problem. Um, they haven't had any talent at cornerback for a long time. At the start of last year, I think uh, a couple of them played better than we expected. And of course, people only remember what happened in the first four weeks of the season or the last four weeks of the season. So people sort of think it's less of a problem. Uh, and then the thing we were talking about earlier was was where do you put those two guys? Uh, so latest info is Zaven Collins drafted at ninth overall as a as a giant six foot five, two hundred seventy pound linebacker, it looks like he's going to be playing on the edge. Um, they've been they've been training that for a few months, and it's been the case all through the off season. So we're going to assume it's true. And then Isaiah Simmons, who was also drafted at whatever it was, top ten, top to be a column a little bit later. Um, let's talk about this. I'll let you explain where PFF are in it because uh, how you define him as a player last year is pretty controversial, right? Yeah, so Isaiah Simmons uh, on PFF.com, uh, he is listed as a cornerback. So I'm just going to pull up his exact numbers here um, to get the, to get the reasoning behind it because it, it's based on, I believe, the majority of snaps or uh, in a combination with where they start um, in a game. So he played 409 snaps in the slot last year. I'll pull up your positional classification for him as well. Um, so 409... Yeah, 409 snaps in the slot last year, more than any other alignment uh, on the defense in a pre-snap alignment that is out of 897. So almost half of his snaps were spent in the slot last year. Um, his next closest was the box, 297. The box can te- can be close. Like there's 
an invisible line basically between the box and the slot, depending on on how you want to look at it. But uh, the way the way that we have it, it 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 he had 297 snaps in the box, so very large part of his snaps were in in the slot, and then he even spent some time out wide, which was interesting. 28 snaps as a wide corner. Um, this to me, you know you don't really have a choice but to, if you have to classify him as one position i know he was previously listed as a linebacker idp sites pretty much all have him as a linebacker i know sleeper yeah. gave him the dual designation with the db thing which now makes sense um because yeah he he absolutely played the majority of his snaps in the slot so we have him listed as a corner probably makes more sense to just call him a defensive back um you know a general classification like that but He's a really weird one. Um, so yeah, that that that's kind of the reasoning behind it is that he did spend the majority of his snaps in a defensive back position versus a true linebacker position. Yeah, I mean, semi permeable membranes, right? So I've I've done this experiment um, with drawing the box and this sort of idea of what right. it was. <laughs> um, what normally happens in my experience is, is you go right, show me where the box is to to prove the difference between a linebacker and a strong safety. And what people normally do is draw the box outside the guy they think is a linebacker in front of the guy they think. So it's just reinforcing uh, right. um, and obviously coaches don't really care, right? They they don't necessarily think of those in those those terms. They're going against a specific offensive personnel package or formation. Who is going to cover which job? Uh, and last year, it so happened that we talked about uh, teams maybe not needing the same type of old school uh, slot slot corner, which is is still an oxymoron. Um, and maybe they looked at it and go, look, who's the best guy that can go up against the slot guy? It's his eye Simmons, so he's going to put him there. Um, whether that's true or not is really interesting. So you can make a case that the cards go, well, Zayvon Collins is going to be an edge. Is eye Simmons, for all of his flaws, might be my best linebacker. You can also make the case that he's the best box safety on this uh, team. And you can also make the case that he's a, a slot uh, corner or a DB or whatever you want to call him. And he should probably do the same thing again. And we just don't know. So... <laughs> We're seeing all these, you know, he's been in this meeting these days and all the stuff from the beat writer, but I, I'm ignoring that. I, until I see it on the field, I don't know what's going on. Uh, we talked about this earlier, that Kaiser White look, looks like the guy. If I'm putting my money on any of these linebackers to be the the sole full-time linebacker, and I'm only expecting one maximum on this defense, it's probably Kaiser White. Uh, now, I don't know when he's being drafted because he, he's one of those guys who a lot of people like I, he played in the Chargers, and everyone loves Chargers. Everyone's got a jersey on their wall behind them, and think Chargers are brilliant. All that stuff. Um, but I, so you might not be able to get him at value, but he's right. probably he's probably the guy I draft out of those three because I I didn't really want to touch the others. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think, and you know what? From what I've seen, he has been like a decent value, at least doing some like best ball drafts and stuff. I think just betting on you know kind of the ambiguity of the situation and, and buying okay. the, the cheapest guy. I think Kaiser White between Simmons and Collins has definitely been the cheapest guy. Um, and then who knows what they do? Like you said, if if Collins is playing the edge, which I mean, what is he? He's six four, two hundred sixty pounds. He's massive. Uh, they their their lack of edge talent is abundantly clear like it's bj ojolari it's my j sanders dennis gardek uh victor Dumas, the barbarian it's yeah dennis gardek the barbarian yeah it that i mean it's obviously it's a it's a probably the worst group in the in the entire nfl um for my money so collins on the edge the interior line as well it's an interior got carl watkins lecky fotu rashad lawrence jonathan ledbetter yeah 
Oh my God. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's bad. It's a really yeah. bad roster. And let's talk about cornerback roster there as well. Top two cornerbacks we're likely to see Antonio Hamilton and Marco Wilson, who are both awful NFL players. I mean, Garrett Williams uh, is a rookie, second round. He's my friend Max's uh, favorite corner in the draft class. So, you know, shout out to Max. I hope Garrett Williams lands uh, brilliantly. But that's not a lot. Yeah. It's there. There's a reason they're the favorite for the number one overall pick next year. Um, they're just not looking good. And so, I mean, we've seen, you know, Gannon and, and the Eagles had success with Hassan Reddick last year as an edge, as an undersized yep. edge. And Zayvon Collins is bigger than him, although he doesn't have necessarily the the history of being an edge rusher in college. He, he did a little bit um, as a blitzer. Uh, he had some success at Tulsa last the last season that he was there. He had like a 91 pass rush grade and put 15 pressures and four sacks. But that was on like, I think it was like 40 something pass rush snaps or something. So yeah. very, very limited sample size. So they're trying him out there. They, it's, they started early this offseason with, with calling him an edge and grouping him with the edge defenders. So it seems like they're probably going to at least try it to start the season. Um, the same thing with Collins as, as the defensive back. So there, there's room there potentially for somebody else uh, besides Kaiser White, because I'm with you. I think Kaiser White makes the most sense as kind of a typical linebacker in this defense. And then, we, you know, Kyle and I talked about it last episode, uh, talking rookie linebackers. Owen Papo might be worth, you know, a sleeper or a flyer um, pick at, at this point as, as a potential guy. Chris Barnes um, has had yeah. some IDP success before, but the options are super, super thin. Uh, it is it is an abysmal uh, defense at this point. So um, I'll I'll be interested to see kind of who emerges because I think there should be some some IDP relevancy from whoever Someone's comes. Light. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so someone's going to be on the field. Yeah, it's just a matter of who. But the edge group, I mean that that's a group that I'm probably staying away from. <laughs> yeah, if I'm drafting now, I, I'm looking at. Uh... Cardinals who might end up on my team. Uh, we talked about Kaiser White, who, who I could well draft at value. I like that. I'm not touching Buddha Baker because he's going to go as top five safety, and I I don't take top five safeties because yeah. that's a bad bet. Uh, Jalen Thompson will be valued as his best year, not his most recent or his whole career. Uh, so he's going to go way higher than I want to touch him. Uh, BJ Ojolari, I I don't hate in rookie drafts. I've I've seen him go sixth, seventh round, and at that point. Sort of worth it. Uh, it's worth a go. So he might be sitting there on my uh, taxi squad. But that's it. I'm not, I'm not touching any of the others. But I, just as you said, someone's going to play the sound. So I, I think these are a primary group of players who you're looking at week one and and all through the season and going, mm-hmm. who the hell has got this job at the moment? As they cycle through terrible players and bench them and yeah. cut them and pick them up. There's probably going to be some people you chase as a short-term fix at some point, but that doesn't help us in June. Right. Yeah, and, and to be fair, like I like BJ Ojolari. I, I like the opportunity maybe more so than the player, especially for this season, right? You know, for rookie drafts and things like that, you take a shot on a guy, but to bet on him kind of hit the ground running and being IDP relevant right away as a rookie is probably a bad bet as well, right? So, um, yeah, it's just... I love it's just, best ball. He's really best good. Ball. Best yep. ball. I, I think it's really interesting, but yep. the sort of guy that you go, you know, you click on your two starters every week, and and if you're picking BJ Ojolari, you're right. you're probably not going to maximize your points. Right. <laughs> That's going to be a, a rough week for you, for sure. He's going to have uh, like six really good weeks and zero points in the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough. It's it's going to be it's going to be a really rough season for Arizona. I feel bad for them, but. Hey, that's uh, at least they have the first overall pick potentially coming their way uh, next season. And then I believe they may even have the second overall pick, depending on Houston does. So, yeah, uh, I, they uh, certainly did a good job of doing that. Oh, sorry. One thing we should talk about there yeah. is 
is volume, right? So at this point, uh, some of the listeners are probably going, oh, yeah, but they're going to be really bad. They'll play loads and loads. And and that's that's not really true. The, the relationship between being a bad defense and sitting there on the field is nowhere near as clear as people uh, think it is. So if, if we look at the the worst defenses, the, the, well, the teams that played the most last year, you're looking at 1,160 total snaps, something like that. And then average is 1114. Mm. So sort of 50 snaps over over the year. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. not that big a deal. Yeah. No, it, it's, yeah, it, it's definitely not something to use as a strategy or even a tiebreaker um, in drafts. There's a lot better uh, correlating uh, metrics that you can try to use for tier advantage for IDP drafts. But I'm with you. that That's definitely not one that I'm paying much attention to. So, um yeah, but that that that's it. We you know, there's there's other teams out there that we we could cover, but we won't go too long, obviously, because <laughs> we could cover the entire NFL <laughs> at this point. But um, that that that'll do it for this episode, at least. I, I had a lot of fun diving into these um, defensive ten- tendencies with Tom, and I hope you guys did as well, and potentially came away with some information that will give you an edge in your fantasy leaks this season. Um, like I said, there were edge. Few- yeah, and I go <laughs> thing. There it is. Uh, so. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we didn't cover at, you know, at the Atlantas and Denver's and Philadelphia's of the world, uh, San Francisco, Houston, but they just weren't as interesting or aren't expecting to see as massive shifts, I guess, in, in tendencies that, that were worth covering in this episode. But I did write up a bunch of these scheme changes for PFF.com as well. If you're interested in reading uh, into it a bit more, you can check that out now. But a big thank you to the wonderful Tom Kislingberry for taking the time to join me today and dropping a ton of knowledge for on us for the pod. I really appreciate it, Tom. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me on, buddy. It's great talking football with you. Uh, and I've, I've had a brilliant afternoon. Awesome. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. It is very nice to talk to you. We don't get to talk uh, that often, especially once the season gets going and we get crazy busy. But I, I appreciate getting to talk to you here. Um, and before you go, please let the people know where they can find you, what you have coming up, and, and any plans for, for this season. Uh, great question. You, you, you can find me on the Twitter at Tom Kislingberry, and if you can spell it, then you deserve uh, to find that. I'm I've been pretty quiet in the off season uh, just because a lot of other things going on, but hopefully that'll ramp back up once camp uh, starts. Still putting out the normal things, so if you, if you search through my inline, you can find totally free projections. Um, you can find my free handbook. So if you like some of the graphics and stuff we put up there. Uh, you can find that it's 700 pages or something of, of pretty deep analysis on on all the teams in the NFL. So the point of that is is to do intermediate uh, defense. So somewhere between three, four, or four, three, and that's it. And and being able to dissect uh, Nick Saban's playbook and talk about you know which linebacker plays the hook on which sort of personnel. There's a sweet spot somewhere in the middle where we can talk about different uh, defenses and how different they are and why uh, that I'm not sure the NFL does a brilliant job of. So have a read of that, and I think you'll like. Of it. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely go check out the defensive handbook by Tom. He's, he's doing it every year and it's uh, your pin tweet on your Twitter as well. Right. So um, definitely yeah. go check that out. Uh, I appreciate it again. Um, as for me, all my written work can be found on PFF.com. Um, I'm just going to start the breakout pieces this week, beginning with quarterbacks, running backs and linebackers. And then you can catch me weekly on the PFF Fantasy Podcast with Nathan Yonke talking offense. Uh, if you haven't checked that out or subscribe to that brand new YouTube channel, please do. I would greatly appreciate that. Um, and then, you know, you can find me here in the IDP show feed every other week talking IDP. And that includes an upcoming episode in a couple weeks with another uh, DLFer 
uh, hailing from the United Kingdom, Mr. Jace Abbey, will be joining me to talk IDP breakouts for the 2023 season. So you won't want to miss that. So until then, IDP's out. <laughs>